The San Francisco 49ers clinched the playoff spot, already clinched the NFC West, and darn near close to clinching the one seed in the NFC following the Eagles' loss on Monday Night Football. Taking a look at the seeding and the playoff scenarios in the NFC. All that more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you as always at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Got a special guest joining us momentarily. I do want to shout out all the everydayers out there subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Where's the sound? Nicholas there it Winkler, is. Come on <laughs> down. Action News 8 Sports with Nick Winkler. Wink, what's happening, man? Uh, the 49ers riding high right now. and The, the path just kind of keeps parting for them. And uh, with the latest game on Monday Night Football with those Seattle Seahawks doing the Niners a favor and beating the Philadelphia Eagles 20-17, to well, uh, that just made things a lot easier. The 49ers now have some wiggle room. They can lose a game and still be in great shape here for the one seed in the NFC. How you doing, Wink? Good, good. It's been a weird couple of weeks, right? Last week, rooting for the Cowboys. This week, rooting for the Seahawks. Like, it felt a little dirty and a little wrong, but they won both of them. So it actually it, it made for for a good night. I mean, what a showing last night by Drew Locke, right? And, and, the, uh, and DK Metcalf on that last drive. Like, just fun to watch the Eagles lose like there's nothing nothing better right now for me than, than watching that happen and it's exactly what the 49ers needed it has felt a little dirty kind of rooting for some of the 49ers rivals seattle dallas but you know we gotta look at the bigger picture and the bigger mm-hmm. picture is 49ers having home field pat going through uh the bay area and i think even more so than you know kind of rooting against a team or rooting for a certain team that we typically wouldn't i think uh it's been worth it so far yeah yeah, 49ers fans, you don't have to root for anybody else except for the 49ers the rest of the way. Like, nobody at all. Uh, in fact, the, the 49ers have so much wiggle room, they could all they have to win is they just have to win two of the next three games, and it's locked up. And if some other things happen, they could possibly even lose two games. And and really, the least, the least important game the rest of the way is coming up on Monday on Christmas against the, the Baltimore Ravens because the important tiebreaker is the NFC conference record. So at Washington, then at home against the Rams is really the important ones. You got to win one of those. And if you win both of those, it's it's locked up. You win any two games the rest of the way, it's locked up for the 49ers. So the only thing that the thing, the, the only disaster scenario really for the 49ers is if they were to lose both week 17 and 18 against the NFC opponents at Washington and at home against the Rams. And so, uh, and that's with a win against the Baltimore Ravens. So really those two games are important and, you know, would be best for the 49ers to have the opportunity to decide whether or not they want to start resting people in week 18, because if they win the next two weeks, if they beat Baltimore, if they win at Washington, it won't matter what anybody else in the NFC did. And the 49ers will have the one seed locked up with one regular season game to go. And then with a bye, and then you start asking yourself the questions, it's going to be like a rest versus rust debate. You don't want guys resting maybe too much in two weeks. So do you play it like a preseason game where they play the first half against the Rams? And it's hilarious because the Seahawks did the 49ers a favor 
by beating the Eagles and making their path to the one seed a little bit easier. But then also what they might have done is made it more difficult for themselves because now the 49ers might sit there in week 18 and rest their starters against the Rams, who the Seahawks can need the 49ers to beat the Rams to help them get into the playoffs. So they need some, they might need some some repayment from the 49ers for a win. And they might not get it because the 49ers path is now easier for the one seed. I know a lot of people have talked about kind of the rest and, you know, if the 49ers do have things sold up and obviously we're, we're, we're kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but hypothetically speaking, they win the next two weeks. What do you do week 18? And one thing that I've experienced, it, it, we're talking about like kind of resting, right? The first thing to go a lot of times is your cardio. So I know a lot of people are talking about mm. uh, kind of being rusty and whatnot, but you can, two weeks, you can kind of get out of playing shape a, l- a little, right? Like as far as your whole team, one person, okay, we can kind of simulate certain things. An entire team, you kind of want to do things that simulate kind of the the exertion that you're going to put out throughout games, which is really difficult. So that's the one thing I would be worried about a little bit. Weight, weight training, that doesn't go anywhere. You could take two weeks off, three weeks off. You get back in the gym, it's going to be like you never left. Your endurance, man, that's the first thing that goes. So I'd be a little worried about that, and I would wonder what the plan for them would be to kind of yeah. keep guys in shape, in game shape and ready to go. Do they maybe treat it like the last game of a preseason, you know, where, oh, they're going to be out there for three series and, you know, we're going to give them some snaps. So that way they they have the whole week of preparation. They're getting ready. They're doing their cardio. They still have that game action. And then they get that week off after instead of, like you said, two full weeks. That's that's too long. Here's the other thing. What if you go into week 18, you got it locked up. Christian McCaffrey's one touchdown Mm. short of a franchise record, right? Brock Purdy's, uh, you know, a few like a hundred yards short or a touchdown short of something, you know, maybe trying to lock up an MVP type of a thing for one of those guys. Does that play into you? Because I've gotten some feedback on social media. And first of all, I was like, yeah, you know, the least important game the rest of the way is the Baltimore game. People are like, no, you got to you you can't just let a team win. It's like I'm not saying the 49ers are just going to give a team a win. Of course, they're going to go try to win all the games. Um, and, but you know, week 18 is interesting because I don't know if you want to rest two weeks in a row. Um, I, I would be surprised if you play your quarterback though, in that game, if it's locked up, but do, do stats play into it at all? Because I think, the, and I know that, that Kyle's done this before where he tried to get, uh, he was McCaffrey, right? Tried to get, mm-hmm. get a touchdown and the consecutive uh, games. Yeah. yeah. The consecutive game streak. So, you know, it's on their mind. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if they, you know, they played more than we expect in week 18, even in that scenario, even though we are getting a little ahead of ourselves here talking about three weeks from now. Is it like a bonus situation too? You know, some guys have, oh, if I get eight sacks, I get a huge bonus. They're they're lobbying to play that game, right? Something like that. And you wouldn't want to take that away from a guy. Brock Purdy can use the money too. He's he makes he does. I mean, he's not hurting for money, but uh, he's actually he's starting to see some endorsement money come in for Brock too. He's got commercials happening now, and uh, but yeah, he he probably like a little bonus for you know whatever he might get. You know, MVP. Do you get, is there an automatic MVP bonus in the league because it's not written into his rookie contract? I'm sure. I okay. So on the MVP thing. I, I talked to someone and he actually su- suggested something I thought was terrific. He said, instead of calling it MVP, because it has turned into a quarterback award, why not just have a quarterback award, like the Giant yeah. United Award, which is the you know the best quarterback in the league that year? You call and it the then, Joe Montana Award? 
for the Joe Montana Award, right? And you still have your Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and those things. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, name it because it is a quarterback award. Like it is right. extremely difficult to win that award if you're a non-quarterback. It took Adrian Peterson having, you know, almost 2,100 rushing yards and breaking the rushing record, coming off of an ACL to win in the, and carry Christian Ponder to the playoffs for <laughs> NFL MVP, right? And quarterbacks right now, even even this year, you know, we kind of threw out some numbers where you look at Brock. Bro, this is Brock's award right now to lose. Like, it's his. And Brock is winning MVP. But even then, if you match his numbers, which not all his fault, he throws less than any other probably MVP candidate in recent history. But if you put his numbers up to some of the other got great uh, MVP seasons, it's way down there. So I think you should make it a quarterback award and just name it something that John, the Johnny football or the whatever, the Joe Montana. The Johnny Manziel award. <laughs> and, and that way I think we won't look at it how I look at it now, which is like kind of unfair for the Christian McCaffrey's of the world who is having a terrific year and really has no chance of winning this award. And then the MVP would become like the Heisman, where it's just the best player. Mm-hmm. Well, I just don't, I think you do away kind of with the MVP. I okay. think you go Johnny, the Johnny Unitas Award or Joe Montana Award, and then Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Interesting. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all yeah. because it is the quarterback award, and the quarterbacks, the you know, who are the best quarterback in the league is going to be the most valuable player. And who knows? Maybe it's locked up this week. Either Lamar Jackson yeah. or Brock Purdy, head to head. I mean, it's very. In fact, that's probably the biggest thing on the line because it's not as important as some other games for the 49ers. Uh, that, you know, even though it might be a Super Bowl preview, as far as games you can lose, it's not that important for the 49ers. It, it might have a bigger factor in the MVP award than anything else this week. But let's be honest, guys, if they're going to give away, if they're going to change it to like a named quarterback award. It- the NFL changed so many rules to protect this guy. They're going to call it the Tom Brady award. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, I fought with the almost like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Lamar, Le, uh, LeBron James. I despised LeBron James for a long time, even when he became a Laker. But watching him in year 21 have a triple double last night, you know, it's like it's impressive. It kind of is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it's still hard because I watched Michael Jordan as a kid and I just saw how tenacious he was. And I mean, we're talking about three straight NBA finals. To retire and then three straight NBA finals, MVP, all that, right? Like that was amazing. I don't think we'll ever see that again. But what LeBron is doing at age 21, just casually dropping 30 points, having triple doubles. I mean, this is this is it's kind of it's kind of amazing. You gotta yeah, respect the game. Let's see LeBron. That was, Brady, like, that was Tom Brady, like where for a long time we fought it because you know Joe Montana was ours and he was always considered, hey, that's the greatest quarterback ever. And then this guy you know, Thomas Brady comes around and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, you know, he's good. And, and then it's like, okay, he's good. Then, you know, he's, yeah, he's great, but he's not Joe Montana. And then he wins like his seventh uh, Super Bowl. And it's like, ah, he, he's the greatest. <laughs> well, let's, let's see LeBron hang in, in double A baseball. All right. Let's talk about, <laughs> about that LeBron. Uh, all right. Next, I want to talk more about the playoff seating and some of these scenarios that could happen and a uh, little issues popping up for the 49ers. that could hamper them. Uh, if anything, next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Prize Picks, the most fun you will have playing daily fantasy sports this season. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's 
just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and maybe sharks in the pool. It's all you against the numbers. You pick more or less than the projected stats on prize pick. You pick two to six players on those more or less projections and watch the winnings roll in. And uh, mentioned basketball a little bit there. Basketball season is here. And now you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports. For example, George Kittle plus Steph Curry combo 10.5 three pointers made plus receptions in a given game. So head over to prizepicks.com or download the app. And we've got a special offer for our listeners, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code Locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right. So the 49ers sitting in a pretty good spot, 88% chance. They haven't locked it up yet. We, we shouldn't be counting the money yet, but the 49ers are in a, a pretty good spot now. Thanks to the Cowboys and the Eagles, both losing, giving the 49ers some wiggle room. They only got to win two out of three to lock up that one seed in the NFC the rest of the way. And by the way, can, I just want to shout out uh, one of our listeners, Adam on Twitter, who said this, he lives in the Philadelphia area. He said, listening to Philly sports radio, do a post-mortem on the Eagles because I, uh, he said he's having fun doing it because he absolutely revels in their failure. And the, the radio hosts are saying in the Philadelphia area that the beating that the Eagles took from the 49ers was akin to uh, the one that Rocky Balboa took from Clubber Lang in Rocky three, the one where uh, that had Rocky's wife crying with Rocky in his arms. So that's what they're saying right now at Philly radio. The 49ers might have completely broken the Philadelphia Eagles, man. And they do look bad right now. And uh, they're, they're back down to the five seed. Although that there's still some, some, um, some movement to happen there probably between the Cowboys and the Eagles the rest of the way between the two and five seeds. There were some people that kind of referenced last year as Minnesota Vikings. And we're like, this is kind of a replica a team that's winning just all these close games. Matter of fact, Colin Cowherd was saying, he's like, mm, battle-tested, but this is not a championship team. Like, the 49ers are a championship team. And he compared them to last year's Minnesota Vikings, who had a terrific record. Like, they had a really good record, and I was surprised by that. Then they just get bounced out of the playoffs right away because it's like, yeah, you're not really, like, great. And I think the Eagles, who I know I gave a lot of credit for being able to pull out close wins and win all those games. It's like, but if every game is really close – how good are you if you're not able to just dominate games like we've seen from the 49ers? And I think we've seen they are closer to that Minnesota Vikings team than, than anything that the 49ers are this year or even what the Eagles were last year. A lot of one-score games, they figured it out, but now all of a sudden you're getting punched in the mouth and they're having a really hard time recovering from that. So I, I think the conclusion we're coming to right now is maybe the Eagles just aren't as good as – their record said that they were. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about all these close one-score games, the ball bounces a different way all of a sudden, and you lose those one-score games, right? You got to go out, you got to dominate on both sides of the ball, and Philly hasn't been able to do that and since that 49er game. Even early in the season, they won. I, I remember it was really early on. They beat Washington in, like, an overtime game, and I was like, I don't think Washington's that good. Maybe Philly isn't that good since they went to overtime against this team and barely won, and they, they, they were able to squeak out these kinds of wins against okay teams, and then they start playing some tough teams, 
and they start losing. So yeah, maybe maybe Philly just isn't that good. By the way, speaking of Washington, that's who the 49ers have in week 17. And that might be the last trip the 49ers make east of Las Vegas the rest of the year. Because if you get the one seed, you come back home against the Rams. If you have the one seed, you have a bye. And then you're at home throughout the playoffs and hopefully make the Super Bowl. And it's, I mean, you guys have made that flight, right? From the Bay Area to Las Vegas. The the plane barely has a chance to get to peak altitude before it's coming back down again. It's like a 45-minute flight. You can't even get two cocktails in before you get to Las Vegas. You can get halfway through your peanuts and you're like, oh, we're landing? All right. <laughs> so uh, ultimate scenario for the 49ers as far as rest, staying home, uh, that one seed is, is pretty important and only one team gets that buy in each conference. So uh, it is important for the 49ers to handle business, win two games the rest of the season, and uh, whatever they have to do in week 18, whether it's rest guys, whether it's not, get that one seed. Uh, th- that'll be huge and it's a big advantage to have that. And the 49ers have had to go on the road so much in the playoffs recently. It'd be real nice for them to be at home and uh, sort of be be playing king of the hill a little bit. Um, Philadelphia Eagles are, they just look bad. And they're the thing with the Eagles right now, even if they end up with the two seed, they won't matter for the 49ers because they'll be welcoming anybody into their place if they get that one seed. Um, the Eagles are, they're, they're panicking themselves. And, and that's where I can really see that they, they don't even know what's wrong. They can't figure it out. And I guess the 49ers went through this a little bit and they had the bye week, right? And like, I don't know. What do we do? Let's bring our defensive coordinator from the booth. Is that going to do the trick? I don't know. Is that going to help us tackle better? But it worked. I and mean, they've been playing a lot better since then. I have no idea that if that's why. I, I feel like it's not, but maybe it has helped a little bit. But, you know, the Eagles were trying that too. They, they changed defensive play callers and, uh, Matt Patricia is the one calling the plays and you know that didn't really work. You know, uh, you see how they they're just panicking a little bit. You can see it in their faces. And and even with the the defensive issues that they've had, the bigger problem might be on offense. Jalen Hurts is, doesn't seem like he's seeing the field well right now. He was bad. A couple interceptions in that game. Uh, he's been bad for a few weeks, uh, despite all the weapons on that team. So uh, I, I, the, the Eagles just flat out don't look very good right now. And it's not like the Seahawks look great either. They were able to beat them, but the 49ers saw the Seahawks and the Eagles three weeks in a row. And I, I just saw a pretty mediocre team in both of those. And I didn't really see much that separated those two teams. And to be honest with you, when you look at what the Cowboys did last week against the Bills and what the 49ers did to the Cowboys early on in the season, I, maybe – Maybe the Lions is the team you worry about the most. I don't know if you, if you worry about anyway anybody. That's why it's like, you know, just handle your business, 49ers. I think that's where we're at right now. I think winning cures all. So even for the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles, it's like getting that monkey off your back and like winning that game and deciding factor, then everybody will start to feel a little bit better. But instead, they've lost three straight. And you talked about the 49ers kind of going through that. And, man, they played great since then. But last game, gave up 284 yards on the ground and 29 points. And nobody bad an eye. Why? Because winning gears all like you won. You put up 45 points. Nobody cares. I think that was my big thing during the three-game winning streak. It's like you gave up 22 points and you guys are crying about and fire the defensive coordinator, but you win those games. So nobody even looks at that because you know more times than not, you play well. Just like before the three-game losing streak, the defense played well more times than not. You just gotta figure out a way to win those games. And right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, they just they 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 almost pulled it off, but then that's the tough thing with playing all these close games in a game like this. Now, down the stretch, maybe the other team ends up pulling it out. And we watched Drew Locke pull a rabbit out of his hat 
He ain't no great quarterback, but he did make a one terrific throw against the Niners down the sideline to DK Metcalf, mm -hmm. and he made two terrific throws down the stretch in this game. One to DK and a beautiful one to Jackson Smith and Jigma for the game winner. Somebody 49ers going to have to deal with for a long time. But when you keep games that close, every little thing matters. Yeah, the defense looks a whole lot different past Sunday, right, without Hargrave and without Armstead. Like, those guys, they, they get paid a lot of money to be the big guys in the middle of the defensive line for a reason because they're great football players. And we got to get those guys back healthy before the playoffs. You don't want – we talked earlier about the resting on, on Week 18. I mean, nightmare scenario, right, is you go out Week 18 and somebody gets hurt. One of your key guys gets hurt. Yeah, you have the week off. It's all about getting your guys healthy. And for me right now, the 49ers, that's their biggest Achilles heel. It's not another team out there. We talk about that maybe it's the Detroit Lions. I think it's themselves. I think they, the only way the 49ers can get beat is if they beat themselves. That's a good segue. Let's tackle the tackling problem next because it's the it's the the one issue right now that you worry about going against a team, especially that they're going up against this week in the Baltimore Ravens next. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. You should be excited about it. It shouldn't be a hassle to get those tickets. And that's where Game Time comes in. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of your NFL games, sporting events, music, comedy, theater events near you. Uh, we're, we're talking killer last-minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets. And you can get tickets right up to the start of an event, even an hour after an event starts. It's the place to find last-minute tickets. Exclusive flash deals, sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, concerts, comedy, everything you need to get tickets, any kind of event you need to go to. And uh, you, you know, you're like, hey, got some time off tonight. Let's go see this band that's in town, right? Let's go see a ball game. Uh, you can find those at game time. So download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off down to download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, guys, uh, let's take a look at the tackling numbers because I think, Croc, you put it great because when you're putting up 45 points on a team, it doesn't matter if you struggle in, with, with your run defense because, uh, you know, a team's not going to run enough unless you are, you know, whatever week that was against the Broncos where the Dolphins scored 70 points. You know, it might run into some problems even if you score 45 if you go up against that running game and you're not tackling well. Um, but a team like the Baltimore Ravens that you're probably not going to score 45 points against or maybe some of these teams in the playoffs – it could come back to bite you, and it's important. And so if you look at that three-game losing streak earlier on in the season for the 49ers, they missed 10 tackles against Cleveland, which was a season high in the first loss. Then they missed nine tackles against Minnesota the next week. And then what was then a season high, they missed 13 tackles in the loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. So those were the three highest totals of the season to that point. And then they missed seven tackles against Jacksonville and win. Only four tackles missed against Tampa, five against Seattle. But then it started to rear its head again. But they've been so good on offense, it hasn't mattered. They missed 12 tackles against Philly. 14 was a season high against Seattle. And then a new season high against the Arizona Cardinals last week. They missed 16 tackles. This is something now that's getting worse. And I don't think it's where Steve Wilkes is calling plays from. Uh, they got to stop missing tackles, and you can't really blame that on your defensive tackles either. And you for sure have to start looking at 
the one of the best players on your team on your defense, Fred Warner, was missing a lot of those tackles too. So, I mean, that's just a, a personal accountability thing, and these guys need to clean that up. And uh, week 16 of an NFL season isn't a time that you need to be teaching professionals how to tackle other football players. So I'm thinking this is this is the week for it, right? I mean, if you're going to fix it, you're going to go up against a running team this weekend. You're going to go up against a team that you know what they want to do. Yeah, you know, Lamar's going to pass the ball quite a bit, but they focus on the run. It's run first with that Baltimore offense. So I think you just got to go out and you got to look at the tape, see what's been going on the last few weeks. And like you said, especially with Fred Warner, take some accountability. You know, you know he'll be the first to say he hasn't played his best, especially in this last game. 54 was on the ground a lot and guys are running past him. Just by the eye test, you could see that. So, I mean, this is this is when you go out. This is your next big contest. This is the only game that matters right now is right now. And this defense, you you know they have a lot of pride. And, and so they just need to, to step up and really do what they know they can do. Greenlaw, Warner, go out, fill those gaps, hit guys hard. That's it. I think it's amazing – uh, situation to be in, an amazing problem to have when you are destroying teams, but you can still, as a coach, find a bunch of areas where you can improve. And I think that's what makes the 49ers probably, you know, so scary, right? It's like, man, this is our worst tackling game that we've had. And still, because, you know, the offense was so great, we ended up kind of destroying this team. But it gives you something to focus on, get upset at the players at and something to really improve on throughout this week, whether it's just your angles or coming to balance. Maybe you're coming in a little too, uh, you know, undisciplined with your tackles. You know, you can point to the film and show all these areas of where you can improve. You know, and sometimes I talk, talk about my playing days and playing with the San Jose Sabercats. You know, I remember we were so great, but even after wins and we destroyed some teams, we would come into the locker room and feel like, man, I didn't play my best, you know? Mm. And I felt like that's how I knew it. This is my first time being a part of like a legit championship caliber team. Uh, it was different for me because it, it made me raise my game. It made, me, it made me raise my level of play to something I didn't even know I was capable of doing. And I think that's what the four guys are now where the expectations are Super Bowl. Like we want to win a Super Bowl. Man, we got all these things we can clean up. So great win but let's you know fix and focus on these things because we're going to need to be better at those things down the stretch and i think that's why when the 49ers win the super bowl it, it'd be because of nick winkler's prediction but also because they improved on those things uh that they really need to focus on while still getting w's i love when coach crock comes out they're right there like when you were just breaking down like this is what we need to work on this and that like i could see why your, your players follow you crock yeah coach crock's the best man i'm surprised crock knows so much about tackling being a corner oh never really had dang. to do dang i give him a compliment and then you come at him with that <laughs> you know funny thing i was not uh as, as a bigger corner i wasn't like super physical until my rookie year in the arena league i played with these other guys and we had got this uh uh thing where everybody was just like man like they got these big corners they're physical. They're aggressive. They got this one with dreads and tattoos, and he looks like Richard Sherman out there. And, you know, they're talking about me, and in my head, I'm like, I am not as physical as Richard Sherman. <laughs> but because everybody else was so physical and aggressive on the back end, and we had that reputation, it made me have to tap into something and say, well, I'm not going to be the only one left out. And that was when, after all of my years playing football, that was the first time that I started to be, like, a really aggressive tackler and run through guys, continue to drive, drive, drive my feet, you know, didn't care about the angle. I'm going to throw my body in there. And um, so you're right. I, I was not a great tackler early on, but uh, it was the peer pressure of my, my counterparts there 
that made me kind of raise my game. And hopefully that's what we're seeing with the Niners, right? You see guys that are undrafted and you're thrown into this situation or, or drafted late. And all of a sudden it's like, man, I got to play, but I'm playing next to all these great players. So what does it make you do? Raise your game. I just saw this uh, post on, on Twitter or X or whatever. And it was uh, the point guard. Gosh, he's flat earther or Ir- Ir- Irving, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, it's crazy. Flat Earther, everybody's like, oh, we Kyrie. knew exactly who you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Kyrie said, Man, I wish I would have been drafted to the Mavs so I would have been under a guy like Dirk Nowitzki because you get to learn how to be a professional and how to raise your game. And I think the 49ers have so many of these staples in on their defense right now that teach these other guys this is how you play football. I think that's really helping a lot of the young guys. Dirk's so tall, he could verify the curvature of the earth as well. That would have helped him out. <laughs> I think you hit on something important. And it's really one of the, the, the secret ingredients to the 49ers sauce is accountability and expectations. And the reason they've hit on all these late round picks isn't because Hufanga or Lenore or Juwan Jennings are more athletic than the other guys. They're, they're wired a certain way and they play a certain way. And, uh, and I wonder like how, how, I, I, there has to be something to, you know, obviously coaching is a part of it, but just the the locker room and the accountability and how that's helped that one last element of development for a lot of players. And I think that's why the 49ers have hit on so many late picks is because of that expectations and guys come in uh, that, you know, aren't bonus babies and they know they have to earn their spot and they have to play a certain way or they're not going to stick around. And we've even seen, you know, first round guys like Brandon Ayuk benefit from that, right? And maybe go into the doghouse a little bit. And I wonder if there's, other players around the league, like uh, I think the perfect example is that same draft class because uh, Jerry Judy, right? What if Jerry Judy came to the 49ers and Brandon Ayuk went somewhere else? Would like the one thing that Jerry Judy is like not great at is that physicality, right? And winning at the catch point and, you know, and, and that aspect of his game that would not have been tolerated. I wonder if he'd be a lot better there. And maybe Ayuk wouldn't have developed into the player he is if he went somewhere else. I think there's a lot of that incubation that happens with the 49ers that's that happens on the field happens with coaching happens in the locker room expectations and accountability is huge for this team well i think what they've done is they've gotten much better at drafting the guys that have those intangibles yeah. mm-hmm. that they can build off of because if jerry judy's just i don't want to use the word soft but if he's soft <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he's just likely going to continue to be soft but if you draft somebody like brandon Ayuk and you know he got that dog in him we just have to bring it out of him on a consistent basis then you can continue to drive home those points and he'll figure it out the four nights have drafted guys in the past that were soft and they just continue to be soft and it's yeah. like hey you're not going to play for us if you continue to be soft and it's like i can't change it it's just who i am We've seen that. They've gotten a lot better at identifying the guys like Diamandor Lenore, who you know, we talked a lot about his mentality. He's a small, smaller guy, but he's so scrappy, he's so aggressive. You know, he's scrappy in there. He looked like a little dog. My, my wife has this, um, it's a schnauzer, right? It's like a, a Yorkie and snork, whatever it's called. It's this little dog, but he just thinks he's so aggressive. And he's mm-hmm. every time he sees a a person walk, when I'm walking him is like he's choking himself trying to get to people. That was Diamond Lenore when he was trying to get the DK Metcalf. Just like yeah. just this little aggressive little dog, man. But having guys that have that type of mentality, that type of mindset, and then building on it because everybody else has that mindset as well. Fred Warner's, the Drake Greenlaws, the Hufungas. I think that 
they've done a great job at ident identifying that type of mindset in all of their players that they bring in for the most part. They've gotten it wrong a couple of times, sure. but 90% of the time they're finding that guy that they can build that mindset off of. And if they need to put him in a doghouse, which Lenore, I mean, think about it. He started out the gate for the night. There was an injury. Yeah. He started it. What they do, they end up benching him, played another guy, right? I mean, so a lot of these guys have gone through it, but they have the mindset to figure out how to get out of it. Unless you're Trey Sermon, and then they ship you off. Brock's got the dog in him. You know who else does? Mitch Wishnowski. Yeah, he does. Wink's Wishwash. No, not his best punt. And uh, the first one of the game looked like a little funky coming off his foot, only went 40 yards. There was a return. I was like, oh, no. I mean, Mitch is going to have a bad day. But he had two punts, and his second one, a boomer, 57 yards. They didn't even have anybody back. And how many times when you see that, does it kick forward and go into the end zone for a touchback? Not Mitchie. Mitchie checks up, boom, inside the 20, two punts, one inside the 20. Actually, a, a really cool tweet. If you want to go check out my timeline, somebody tagged me, and it was uh, at AM Football 20. It was Wisnowski when he was at Utah. There was a bad snap, and he had to, like, run out to the left, and then he kicked it with his left foot, and he got it inside the 20. Like, Wisnowski's just the man, dude. It, you know, every week, is the legend grows. Love it. Fantastic wink. Appreciate the wink. Wish, watch. Appreciate you joining us here every week. The voice of the fan, my former radio colleague, and appreciate all the everydayers out there as well. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Croc and I back tomorrow right here. Locked on 49ers.